Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the NBA Morning Deuce. We are back. And for some of you, this is a brand new experience. Alex, this is a, it's a big day. It feels like we've been gone for a month. Um, so first of all, I'm Joey. This is Alex. Alex, say hello to the people. What's up, everybody? I'm Alex. Stumbled over the Stumbled what's up, the first it's okay. sentence. Really good start. Um, this is, this is the first episode of NBA Morning Deuce on Blue Wire Podcasts. We are very excited to be joining the Blue Wire family. Um, for those of you who have been listening to us in the past and are now jumping from the old feed over to this new feed, which is actually the old feed. Thanks. It's good. It's good to have you back. Yeah. You guys are awesome. I'm incredible that you are able to uh, trace us through the, uh, the internet like this. For those of you who have never heard the show before and are just finding out about us now because you listen to blue wire shows or blue wire promoted us or something along those lines. Welcome. Uh, as you've seen from the description and potentially from the trailer, uh, what we like to do on this show is five nights a week. We like to go through what happened in the NBA that night and that day, whether it's the games, which we will hit every game as much as we can, and storylines or stories, trades, rumors, all that shit, right? Um, but five days a week, we record every night after the games are done, Monday through Friday. We're here for you every day. We don't miss days other than last week because Alex was moving. So, you know. Yeah, I'll take that one. No, and we are moving networks and we <laughs> had to go through the whole thing. And 
So some of you are probably looking at this new feed that we're on and saying, why was your last episode in December? Well, it wasn't. Our last episode wasn't. Yeah, there was some madness and there was some it. But long story short, we got it figured out. We're with Blue Wire now and we're pumped. We're excited. Uh, We're ready to roll. And it's a good night to have started because it's a 10 game Sunday, which is I don't think this is probably one of the first 10 game Sundays we've had in a while. I don't I don't remember having this many games. Yeah, I stopped tracking our 10 game Sundays, but this is this is the first one in a while, I believe. Yeah. 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 See the I've thing, been track everything. And, yeah, and what you guys Sundays is one. Of what them. we haven't done. So what you'll learn also about this show is Alex is the timekeeper. Yeah. So, but we didn't start with the time. What, what time is it, Alex? It's twelve sixteen a.m. on the East Coast. Okay, so that you'll hear that at the beginning of every episode too, Alex. Like I had for there was a long stretch where I couldn't get the time right mm-hmm. when I was introing the show. So Alex took over the duties as timekeeper. Uh, but as I said, so what we do on this is we're recording this. Actually, Monday morning now it's twelve sixteen, but we usually record the night of after games are done for the next day. What we do on Sunday night for Monday episodes a lot of times is we'll do overreactions or that type of stuff. Uh, but since there's so many games tonight or last night Sunday night, and we've taken a week off, so there's some stories we should at least talk about from this week, this past week. We're just gonna do like a normal episode, no overreactions, none of that stuff. We're just gonna get right into the games. Um, and as we're recording this, there are still three games being played. Uh, two of them are, well, they're all blowouts. So the, the Clippers are blowing out the Cavs. The Grizzlies are up 11 on the Kings with three minutes left in that game. And then of course the game we're going to start with, which is, uh, the, the Lakers and the Nuggets, the Lakers are getting blown out, but this is, you know, regardless of what would have happened last week or today or yesterday or this past weekend, I think the story of the NBA right now came out of this game in a negative way. Uh, Anthony Davis left the Lakers game Sunday night. And what's being announced as of right now, as of this recording, uh, what Woj tweeted and what they said is that he re-aggravated the, he has what's called Achilles tendinosis, which is what, from what I read briefly and what Rachel Nichols explained on ESPN is a like worse version. It's like a chronic tendonitis that gets worse over time. He had missed two games with it already. Uh, and the injury looked like non, I mean, I don't know if it's an injury yet cause he's getting an MRI tomorrow, but when he left the game, it looked like maybe he banged knees, but then it turned out it was his Achilles. So it was really just the way he planted I guess he re-aggravated it. He could barely, I mean, he was walking very slow. And we know from the past that like you could still walk straight line with an Achilles injury. It's not easy to do, but you can do it. Uh, I, I guess the fact that he's having an MRI tomorrow is somewhat of a positive because I feel like full, like if you rupture your Achilles, they can just, there's a test they can do where they can feel that it is ruptured. Mm-hmm. So that maybe is a good thing that, it doesn't seem as though he has a full rupture or maybe they tested it and they think it's ruptured. I don't know. Nothing. There's nothing good about this. Yeah. I just watched it literally just now for the first time. And it was pretty non-contact. Like he, he was dr- trying to drive patch past Jokic and uh, something went on him. And 
I, the, the scariest word you used was chronic. Is that, is that the word Rachel Nichols said? Like, mm-hmm. and I read it, I, I was yeah, reading about it. It's a chronic, it's, I guess it's just not yeah. good. That, that, that's really sucks. And uh, I don't know, not much to say until we, we get the results of the MRI, but it has the potential to be league altering. I was about year. to say the same. Yeah. Oh my God. I was about to say the same exact thing. It, it's, there are very f- seldom, I mean, where there's an injury that could potentially alter the landscape of the entire league. And if let's say, he, well, first of all, worse, if it's worst case scenario, which I don't think it doesn't seem as though it is, but we don't know he's having an MRI tomorrow. Uh, there's said there's, there's like a lot of swelling. So maybe they're waiting for the swelling to go down. Um, we're not doctors, by the way, any of our new listeners, we're, we're not doctors. So we're not, we're, a, <laughs> not a doctor, not a doctor. Um, but if it was worst case scenario, then it changes the whole landscape of the league, right? I mean, it just totally, because right now, also for the new listeners, it's been pretty well established that on this podcast, we believe that there is the Lakers and there's everybody else. And I think a lot of people probably think that too, but I, I think it's not even, at this point, I still think it's not even particularly close when they're fully healthy. The Lakers are the best team in the NBA and they're going to win a championship if they're fully healthy. You take LeBron James or Anthony Davis out of that equation. That team's not winning a championship. I, I don't think. Now, LeBron would have to do some superhuman shit, which he can do. He's doing superhuman shit this year anyways at his age. But if it opens up the entire league, if AD is out for good, and even if he's out for a long time and he has a chronic Achilles injury, who knows what that means? Like He hasn't looked good this year. He's obviously been struggling. If he's out for a long period of time and then he has to come back and work his way back into shape. We've seen a lot of guys this year having to work their way back into shape just from being out like COVID stuff, struggling as it is a worrisome thing for the Lakers. Yeah. If I'm a Lakers fan, I'm pretty miserable right now. I mean, you know, you're like, you've got LeBron, you've got a really good team. So it's not like Lakers are are completely screwed in terms of having a competitive season, but like this your title hopes are are dashed, in my opinion, if this is worst case scenario. Um, and I just don't want to see it. So I'm just fingers crossed for this MRI. You think we'll, we'll get results tomorrow, I'm assuming, right? I mean, yeah, it's an NBA team, so they'd probably get them instantly. Uh, and it's Anthony Davis. I mean, it's any, any NBA. Yeah, we'll have them tomorrow. Yeah. We'll know. I mean, I know that you could have a partial tear, like a rupture is a full tear. You could have a partial tear and be out for an extended amount of time. I don't know what's worse. Like, I don't know if there's like, if like a real, really bad tendinosis is worse than just a, a, cause you know, like you could tear something and have surgery and be back in a, in a certain amount of time and be healthier. Like look at KD right now, mm-hmm. right? Like KD fully tore a rupture his Achilles. He looks better than ever. I don't know if you'd rather, like if you're Anthony Davis or a Laker fan or a Laker organization, would you rather him just have like a really bad injury that he can recover from or really aggravating whatever this thing is that could be a long-term problem? Yeah, I think honestly, neither are good, but the first scenario you laid out is what you would prefer. And it all goes back to that word chronic. Like it just sounds like this could be something he's dealing with for the rest of his career. And he's only what, 26, 27 at the moment? 27. Um, This sucks. And he's so, had injury. I mean, he's just known as an injury yeah, prone yeah. guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, so the Lakers, obviously we can't. And who knows, like they were down at half. 
I wonder, you know, they came out and they have been flat a lot this year in, in, in instances, the Lakers. I, I just wonder, like, did what did they what what did they find out when they went back to the locker room? Because they look awful when they came back out after halftime. And I, I don't know if they know or, or if, but they just looked like the wind was taken out of them completely going into the set. I mean, they, they got absolutely smoked by Denver. I don't blame them. It's tough, but um, so we'll see. Yeah, it just it's it's shitty that that's the the the, the headline because I mean it's shitty for the Lakers, shitty for Anthony Davis. It will change everything. It will change absolutely everything if he's out. Hopefully yeah. he's not. Hopefully he's not. Uh, I will say for this game, there is a positive that comes out of this game. It was, my God, how like how. You know, how nice was it to have a national TV game with Mike Breen and Richard Jefferson on the call? I mean, there's just, I think we get so many TNT games and they're so bad. And then the game before was Hubie Brown and he's just, I I I mean, yeah, he's he's just old, man. He's old. He's old. I say the same thing because I watch all the Heat games and they have, the first ever head coach, Ron Rothstein, he's been working for the organization forever. He does their halftime show. It's terrible. It, I, nothing against these guys. They should have jobs. It just shouldn't be talking like live on a microphone when they can't keep up with the game anymore. It, it's not like, I don't think that's like controversial to say if you can't keep up with the game, especially when you're remote and you're working from your basement. Yeah. yeah like, that's an added layer of, of making it pretty tough to watch. So that being said, when they were like, let's send it to Mike Breen and Richard Jefferson. I was like, oh, thank God. Thank God. Because Richard Jefferson's great. Richard Jefferson's so good. And obviously, Mike Breen's a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Richard Jefferson's awesome. I think Mike Breen is actually my favorite play, play-by-play guy in like any sport. And then Richard Jefferson is kind of a rising star for me in terms of uh, no color question. commentary. Oh, He's awesome. No, no question. Did you hear uh, his reaction when Kyle Kuzma got to put back dunk over – Michael Porter Jr. was just so genuine. Like he just started laughing. He did like the like yeah. live on air. It was just like, we need more of that. Yeah. I mean, not like this Chris Weber. I mean, we always harp on Weber and Miller, but like they're trying so hard to be polished broadcasters with their corny jokes. We need more like Richard Jefferson just like genuinely enjoying the game and giving you intelligent analysis right and then the other times just less is more you know just he's mm-hmm. not trying to just spoon feed you things because there's there's not a lot to talk about it's, it's really organic and the one thing i will say about richard jefferson is he was in studio for espn doing the pregame so i don't know where they put him to call this game at their studios but it sounded like he was trying to like whisper to not bug other people that was kind of <laughs> it sounded he was like very low that's cool um ESPN and, and TNT, like there's the national TV stuff. They got to figure out like, it's like TNT went all in on inside the NBA and inside the NBA is incredible, even though there has been like some issues this year with Shaq and, and all that stuff. And then was just like, nah, in-game commentary doesn't matter. Let's just get to whoever we can get. Yeah. And ESPN is opposite. ESPN's like, let's get, Jeff Van Gundy, Mark Jackson, Richard Jefferson. So anytime you have a game, you're getting something good. But at halftime, we're just going to put throw freaking Paul Pierce in your face, mm-hmm. who well, is they know everyone's absolutely, on their phones. Yeah. absolutely yeah. insufferable. 
absolutely insufferable. He said, and it is the right way to go. I don't often defend ESPN, but like halftime, I mean, you're on your phone, you're looking at Twitter, you're not watching the, the halftime show. It doesn't make any sense. And, and I mean, ESPN has really leaned into like the 08 Celtics guys because it's just mm-hmm. like him, it's just Paul Pierce and Kendrick Perkins hot takes all the time now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, it was it was good to have that for a game. Now, the other national TV game that was on ESPN, the game that Hubie called, which, uh, Obviously, Hubie struggled, but Portland, Dallas, Portland, Dallas. That was a great game. Uh, Damian Lillard just, Damian Lillard just. It's it's so wild, like how good he is in those clutch moments. Uh, He did it again tonight. Uh, Was it tied when he hit that shot? I think it was tied, and he hit a step back three to to put them up. Dallas was down by a lot. Dallas was down by at least double figures in the fourth quarter. Um, Portland's biggest lead. Portland was up 14 at one point. Dallas came back. Luca played great. Um, but Dame, it was like, it was almost one of those things where it was tied with like 30 seconds left. Dallas ties the game. They give the ball to Dame Lillard. And you're like, okay, Portland's winning. Mm-hmm. You just feel it He's when you brought the, it so many times. Bring, brings the ball up to court. You know the movie's gonna. T- you know he, he's gonna take one dribble, step back to his left, and pull up on you. And there's nothing you can do about it because it's impossible to guard because he can shoot it from 30 feet out. Mm-hmm. But you just know. And I, after everything that went on in the game, oh, you gave Damian Lillard time to get a step back jumper to win it. It's gonna happen. Yeah, and he did it. Um... Luca actually got the final shot. I, I did you see the the, the last bit? Luca yeah, almost buried open. a three. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he he was upset that he missed that. But that was a fantastic game. Um, man, I, I I can't believe I'm saying this, but like Damian Lillard is creeping into MVP conversation if he's not already like well in. in I, it's just at the beginning of the season, I would have been so far against that notion that maybe that's why I'm th- thinking he's creeping into it. But he's playing out of his mind. And I think the Blazers are overachieving, mm. um, especially without McCollum and Nurkic at the moment. So, uh, where they're like sixth in the in the West right now, they might be as high as fifth in the West. So he's got to be getting some consideration. Well, I'll tell you who's creeping and who I would love to see actually creep into this because he's never won an individual award. I think Melo could be creeping into the six man conversation. I would love that. Um, now. I mean, he's obviously he's only averaging like 13 a game for the year, but they've won, I believe now it's five of their last six, or it's either five of their last six or six of their last seven. Are they in a five game win streak right now or, or six? I'll check for you. They're on a uh, four gamer actually right now. They dropped four? one of the Knicks. Okay, um, so they're on a four game win streak, but they've won five of their last six. Yeah. Um, and over that time, Melo's averaging like 20 a game. Mm-hmm. And he's really stepped up since CJ McCollum's gone out. And obviously, like right now, the leader in the clubhouse, it, it's almost locked up unless something crazy happens is Jordan Clarkson, the way he's played for Utah this year and the way they're playing. But if Melo can keep playing the way he's playing and, and Portland continues to surge and gets a top five seed in the West, Melo's going to be in the conversation. Yeah. And which that's is awesome. So cool. Yeah. That's so awesome. We, we've talked about like, Dwight Howard accepting his role and things like that. Like Mello accepting this role and thriving in it is really fun to watch. I'm going to go out and say Mello may have the best jab step in the history of the NBA. It's unbelievable. 
because it's sick and all his release is so damn quick. But it, but the wild thing is like, you know, he's not driving. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, unless he has a wide open lane, like unless he knows he's got a first step on you at this point in his career, he's not trying to drive by you. But every time he takes that jab step, the defender backs off a little bit, just a little bit, because it just the way his footwork is so quick. You, you have to respect it, even though you know he's not going. It's like, I mean, it's like, it's brilliant. It's so, it's so nice watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cool to see him playing well. I mean, he's been a huge part of why they're on this run because this team, you know, they had two of their three best players haven't played in a long time. And mm-hmm. Colum's been out for a while. He's still going to be out for a little while. Obviously, Nurkic is still out. Like, this team shouldn't be winning games. They shouldn't. And you're right on the Lillard thing. I mean, he could play his way into contention. If I mean, they'd have to finish top four. I think eventually they'll calm down and they won't win every game the way they are. But but Melo has a shot, which is, I mean, and he went one for eight from three. It's not like he, he, he didn't play incredible in this game, but he, he still got 15, played pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, both of these teams. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say Dallas, to me, continues to have a gigantic problem with their bigs defensively. They might have the worst defensive bigs in the whole league, and I don't think that's an exaggeration. Um, Kleber, Kleba, however you pronounce it, Willie Cauley Stein and Porzingis cannot stay in front of anybody. And, uh, like every bucket is just so easy. It seems like, yeah. um, their offense is not a problem right now. Like they just can't stop anybody down low or, or it's not like Luca's a great defender either. It, I'm getting pretty worried about Dallas. Well, I, their offense is not a big problem, but I will say, Porzingis is a problem offensively because mm. it's it's kind of, again this is another one of those situations where it's like Ennis Cantor has historically been a sieve on defense and then you're talking about Robert Covington and Derek Jones Jr. and Porzingis only takes nine shots in thirty minutes like you should be able to and three of them are threes you should be able to there's got to be more there. You got to yeah, get more. Out he of only it. goes to the free throw line eight times. Like he just doesn't like it down there. He really doesn't like being close to the rim. It's it's pretty clear when you watch him play. Um, yeah. And we talked about that recently. How that might be health related, and that would suck. But like his game does not look the same from his peak at all. It's it's no a cry, no, no, it's not even close. Uh, but there's still, I mean, nine shots. That's that's you can't. You're not you're not going to win that way with yeah. him. Yeah. No chance. Uh, all right, let's go back to the beginning of the day. Uh, Boston is a mess right now. Mm-hmm. Um, they've lost. So how about this? So they lost to Washington today, 104-91. Brad Beal, 35. This guy's just going to average 35 this year. Um, it's pretty crazy. Uh, I guess it's a good win for them, even though they stink. So it doesn't really matter. It's more of a, a an, another awful loss for the Celtics. Since they had their covid postponement where they postpone three games they're six and ten yeah they're 13 and three now um and they've just they've fallen off a cliff and i think the marcus smart injury him being out puts a a glaring spotlight on how this team has no depth and even a one role player getting hurt crushes them because they they just don't have they should not be this bad still. Like, like it's a bad injury with Marcus Smart, but there's some, they're just, you said it, they're a mess. Um, I mean, you've got two studs like Tatum and Brown playing as well as they're playing. They're still both averaging 26 a game. Tatum had a terrible game. 
yeah, he was probably one of the worst games of his career. Um, yeah, for sure. I think so they focused in on him. Yeah. I just, I know the smart injury is definitely affecting them, but there's something like this is a bad stretch. And I think they'll get it turned around. Um, but th- this loss is, is terrible for them. Yeah. This, I do think that the depth is going to be a problem down the line. I mean, they're just having Kemba's. I love Kemba. You know how I feel about Kemba, but I just don't know that he's, you can rely on him to be there, be the guy, be one of those guys every night. And they just don't have a lot of they don't have a lot of firepower outside of Tatum and and Brown right now. Yeah, they really don't. And it's a lot of young guys. Like they have a lot of they have some guys that could be good. Uh, like obviously, I love Peyton Pritchard. I think Grant Williams is a really good player. Aaron Nesmith's a great shooter, but they're all young players. Like you can't really rely a ton on them. They're not even playing Jeff Teague anymore. Yeah, he's fully out of the rotation. Uh, so. I would be surprised to see them make a move or at least attempt to make a move to get some depth. Cause they're just, I mean, obviously they're struggling, mm-hmm. but oof, I mean, losing Marcus smart is, I mean, they're just losing anybody out of this lineup. It's really a struggle for them. Yeah. I when mean, it's for, losing games to Washington, you know, you're, you're in bad shape because that I mean, team six is- and 10 for this team. Think about it. They're 13 and 13 now. And they're six and 10 in their last 16. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned COVID, but it does kind of overlap with Kemba's return too. It's just the pieces aren't fitting. It, it seems like there's yeah, a lot, I, there's a lot to parse apart. Yeah, there. There's something about the, but they were seven and three. Yeah. They were seven and three when their games got postponed. I do. I, they're not the only team that has struggled after having a COVID postponement. Mm-hmm. Um, and who knows if, I mean, Jason Tatum has been playing pretty good, but who knows how he's impacted. Cause he obviously was the one who had it. Cause he missed a bunch of games. So I, I don't know. But I, this is another team where I got. I wouldn't be shocked at all to see them go out and try to make a move. Yeah, a significant move. Uh, I mean, let's just go ahead and talk about a guy. They should just go. They should go free. Okay, we'll move on to Milwaukee OKC. Uh, free Al Horford. <laughs> I know Alex that you have. You know you have a bad relationship with Al Horford. You don't like him. Uh. And I get it. His his time with the Sixers didn't go well. But Al Horford's very good. Al Horford is playing really good basketball and would be good for any any team competing this year. Like he he's I, I saw his last five. He's averaging like 20 and eight, shooting yeah. the ball well. Like he he's a any and nine assists. This it, against the OKC beat Milwaukee 114-109. Um, I mean, this team is competitive in every single game, even though they don't win. I mean, they, I think this is like their seventh win of the year. They don't win games. They're competitive in every game. And part of that is because Al Horford's playing really good. Yeah. I mean, it's become completely clear that Al Horford's struggles last year were fit more about fit and then not giving a shit when it became an absolute joke, how bad the pieces didn't fit. Um, so yeah, I, I'm willing to, ba- <laughs> to backtrack how it's not even backtracking. It's just admitting I was completely wrong saying Al Horford was washed up. He's got a lot left in the tank and that's a great move for a, for a contender to make. And you know, Sam Presti will do it. And I'll tell you this, like he may, he's makes a lot of money. So it's going to be hard for, for anybody to make that work. But like a team like Boston, I would imagine part of their issue right now is that they're starting. I mean, they're starting Daniel Tice 
and then they bring Tristan Thompson off the bench. They're both pretty limited offensive players. You can't run offense through them. Like they're not good passers or ball handlers. And Daniel Tice is an average shooter. Tristan Thompson's a negative shooter. So you're playing four and five a lot of times, unless they're playing in pick and rolls. That's why Al Horford was so great for that team when he was Mm -hmm. there. So you played him at the five with Tatum and Braylon and all those guys, and you could run your offense through him. You know, so I don't know that they have the, I don't think they have the money to make it work. I don't think so either. Or the contracts without giving up somebody important, you know, but Horford, if there was a team that was like a piece away in the East fit wise, they could make it like Brooklyn. God, how good would he be on Brooklyn? Yeah. That I hope as a Sixers fan that they cannot make that trade work money wise, because that would be lethal. I mean, well, how, much is, like, Hor- how the- much is Horford making like 25 million? No, I think it's more than that. I think it's closer to 30, but I'll check real quick. Yeah, and then it's not good. I was going to say DeAndre Jordan makes a decent amount. I don't know if you could – I think he makes $10 million. I don't think he can make it work. But, yeah, he. other than that, Milwaukee oh, – Milwaukee has – they're, they're, uh, Drew Holiday missed his fourth straight game. They're one and three now without Drew over the past four. That's pretty bad. Like, yeah. it's it's the regular season, and and obviously, like – um, they're going to get him back and they'll be fine. Then they'll win games when he comes back, but it is pretty, you know, they're losing games to Oklahoma city without drew holiday. Like, yeah, you still you have back to back MVP on your team. It's pretty bad. And especially cause like we, we've liked what they're getting from Dante DiVincenzo and, and uh, Pat Connaughton has been okay. Bobby Portis, like, Bobby Portis yeah. has been a great pickup for them, but to drop this game to the thunder is, is concerning. Um, and again, this is another situation where at the end of the game, they had a chance, but I will never not harp on this for as long as we do this show or for as long as I live. You can't, there's a problem with the way your team is built. If the back-to-back MVP of your team cannot be the guy you run a play for to win a game or to tie a game. He is a non He was inbounding the ball. Now, a lot of times you run a play like that to get the ball back to the inbounder. Cause that's a hard person to guard, but they were down three. So when they, when they ran this, they ran a play, he inbounded the ball to Chris Middleton and immediately cut to the rim, hoping to get a quick score. But I don't even think there was enough time for it. They, they needed a three. They can't run a play for him. So they have to have him inbound the ball. He's a great passer, but still that, that's a problem. Huge problem. We say it almost every time they lose. (laughs) (laughs) Or every time they win. (laughs) As the reason why you can't buy this team, even when they're playing well. Mm -hmm. My question becomes, let's say Drew's out for an extended period of time. I don't know. I don't know how much longer he's supposed to be out, but they're one and three without Drew. It's sort of inexcusable. You should still win games without Drew Holiday against one of the worst teams in the NBA. If they continue to struggle. One, I wonder what kind of leash Budenholzer is on. Your boy Boot. Okay, well, how about this? They're up. Their three upcoming games are a back-to-back. Well, not back-to-back, but two in a row versus Toronto, and then Oklahoma City again. So, mm. if they drop a couple more of those types of games, I, I think we're talking about him on the high. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. 
they found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. I really do, because they're going to get past in the stand. They're, they're sitting at second in the East, um, but a couple more bad losses like this, and uh, and they're going to be underachieving big time, especially because of how successful they've been. And yeah, it can't be because of one guy. Drew Holiday's great, but you can't drop games to the Thunder and Raptors aren't good. I'm with you. You you predicted Budenholzer on the hot seat. I think this off season that that was not not that it was. Yeah, I don't think I'm the only one. I think a lot of people yeah. were like, "All right, how long is a Budenholzer experiment?" I mean, they they get bounced every year early in the playoffs. So, mm-hmm. um, I think most people probably anticipate if they lose early in the playoffs again, that's when he'll get fired. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Um, let's see. Let's talk about... The Pelicans losing to the to the uh, Pistons because here's something that new listeners will learn about on this show. You may listen to the show and think that I am a Zion Williams hater, Zion Williamson hater. You can't at least pronounce his name correctly, man. Don't be that much of a hater. Yeah. But I was thinking about it as I was watching that game today. And I, you know what I am? I'm a Zion Williamson truther. I tell the truth about what's happening with Zion Williamson and the New Orleans Pelicans. And I will, I'm going to give you some stats on Zion. Pelicans lose to the Pistons 123-112. I think it's safe to say at this point, this is one of the most disappointing teams in the NBA this year right now. I think after their offseason, obviously losing Drew Holiday's was a huge thing for them, but I think we pretty much had them as a lock to be at least a playoff team this year, the way Brandon Ingram played last year and all that Mm -hmm. Zion finished. I watched the the majority of the second half of this game. Zion finished with 26 points, 10 to 20 from the field, six of six from the line led them in scoring. Okay. This season when Zion Williamson scores 25 or more points, the Pelicans are four and nine. When he scores less than 25, they're seven and five. When he takes 15 or more field goals in a game, including today, 10 or 20, they're three and 11. When he takes less than 15, they're eight and three. When he leads them 
In scoring, they're three and eleven. They are working way too hard right now to try to get him involved and make him one of their main offensive weapons. And it is making the rest of their offense suffer. Now they are high up in offensive efficiency, but they are 22nd in the league in three pointers made and 23rd in three pointers attempted. It's not like they don't have shooters on that team, but when Zion's taking 20 shots and he can't shoot and he's limited on the other things he can do offensively, I think it's really messing up what they're doing. Like Brandon Ingram hasn't taken a jump this year. His numbers are right around what they were last year. Um, and part of it's Stan Van Gundy's fault. He still insists on this Zion, Stephen Adams lineup. But I think a lot of people are, are getting enamored with the scoring numbers from Zion, but it is not making them better when he scores a lot of points. He needs to start doing other things. He's averaging 6.8 rebounds a game. That's not good for Zion. No, that's for, that's for the most athletic player on the planet. Of what from what we can tell, less than seven rebounds a game is not good. Less than one block a game, not good. Yeah, I think he there needs to be a focus on. It is one of the worst defensive teams in the NBA. They're twenty eighth in defensive rating. Uh, and Sam and Gundy's supposed to be a defensive coach. Like that's always been his thing. Zion's not doing anything right now. Like he's not making them. He's not making them noticeably. And it's not only Zion's fault. It's not only Zion's fault. But outside of giving them 22, 23 points a game, he's not doing a whole lot else on the floor for them. And I, I like even watching today, it was kind of noticeable. He's not, I think he, he stares a lot at rebounds. He does tip rebounds out that don't get counted to him. So that's part of it. But what is there, the cat is trying to get into the new? The, the, we have a new setup here, and the, the cat is desperately trying to get into. The, is, I was like, I thought I was wondering if that was on my end. I don't know. I, I know I'm hard on Zion Williamson. Let's but this in the bud here, Joey. Sorry. Oh, Alex is walking away. Oh, there you go. It should be good. All right, Alex is back. I know I'm hard on Zion Williamson, and. He's young. He's in his second season. But I can't help but wonder what else – like, is he is he a good defender? I, I think he's kind of – I don't know. I don't want to call him a liability defensively, but, like, he can't, could, can't, couldn't guard Jeremy Grant on the wing. He's not proving to be any type of, like, great help side defender or rim protector. And when we, a lot of the comparisons like coming in was like, oh, like a more athletic Draymond Green, he ain't defending guys like that. And part of it is when you're the number one pick in the draft and you've been dominating players your whole life, you've never had to be a great defender to be good. So maybe he's just not a great defender. I don't know. Their defense, their defensive rating, which is already, which is pretty bad, is substantially better when he's not in the game. And it's the same with Brandon Ingram too, who we know is not a good defender. But I don't know. There, there's just uh, – he still has time to develop. But, man, those numbers are jarring, the scoring numbers. Like when he scores that X amount or when he's their leading – 3-11 and when he's a leading scorer, he shouldn't be there. He should be a stat filler. He should be getting – he should be averaging 17 and 12 
right now. Not 20, 22, 23, and six and a half rebounds. Is not That's not helping this team out. Like, they have better scorers. They have one of the best scorers in the NBA. Yeah, and so it's well established that Zion is one of the players we're farthest apart on in the whole league. I, I, I am a huge Zion guy. I think his ceiling is outrageous. But Everyone is. Everyone is. I'm the only one who doesn't like him. There is absolutely no reason that he should be leading this team in scoring. Because if you watch the Pelicans, if you watch Brandon Ingram play, like that is your best scorer, you know? And you just, all the numbers you just presented, like reinforce that, you know? Zion Williamson is a good scoring option, a great score, a really good scoring option, and he can get better. But right now, your bread and butter offensively is Brandon Ingram. I think that's like so clear to me that when I realized before the show today, I, I realized that Williamson was a tick higher in points per game than Brandon Ingram. And I'm like, well, I think they're right around right. the same, right? Williams, uh, Zion's like, uh, like, oh, yeah, no, he point is, higher. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, that's, that's not, it doesn't make sense because when you watch the two of them play, you're like, well, you, you want Ingram like carrying the load scoring wise night after night. And then Zion can be this, this really good scoring option outside of it. Um, the shots, the stat you had about the shots when he takes, he's just taking too many shots for my liking. And it's clearly affecting their, their, uh, the whole team because 11 and five is ridiculous for this roster because I mean, they have other solid pieces, you know, I'll never understand the drew trade. That didn't make sense, but you've got a solid rim protector and Steven Adams Lonzo ball. Isn't he's not having an amazing season, but he's solid. Um, you've got talent on the bench. This team doesn't really make sense. They're already a terrible defensive team. Right. As of right now, I've, Push this many times on this show. I think other people have mentioned this too. Put Zion at the five. Put Nah, Nikhil Alexander Walker, or or anybody, Josh Hart. Just put another wing in there. Put Brandon Ingram at the four and open that shit up, man. Like just run, run, run. Like get out and just be, just outscore people. Like the offense could be good, but at all times right now, they have Zion and Steven Adams on the four. Like, that's a problem. And then you're starting – like Eric Bledsoe up until today was shooting really – actually shooting the ball really well from three. But, like, there's no real shooters. I don't know what's going on with J.J. I don't know if he if they're just not playing him a ton, hoping that they can trade him and he doesn't get hurt, or if Stan Van Gundy just thinks he's washed, but he just barely plays anymore. Um, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who would probably be their other best shooter, plays eight minutes. So – a lot of this is on Stan Van Gundy, I think, in figuring out what lineups work best to score the basketball. But um, Zion outshooting and outscoring Brandon Ingram, I don't think is the answer. No, definitely not. Clearly, it reflects it. I mean, we're enough games into the season where you're like, you know, if you're Stan Van Gundy, you got to start making adjustments. You're you're not maximizing the talent on this roster. Um, so he's got to do something different soon. Yep. Uh, for the Pistons, um, I guess everyone's a good win for a team that we thought, and are, I mean, and not thought they are one of the worst teams, if not the worst team in the NBA. The kid Sadiq Bay is playing pretty well for them since they, he's been starting when Blake Griffin doesn't play. Wasn't he the one, weren't they saying that he was like the best shooter in the draft? Oh no, it's Nesmith. But they said yeah, Sadiq yeah. Bay was one of the best shooters in the draft. He's been shooting the, shooting mm-hmm. really well. Dennis Smith Jr. actually played pretty well for them. 
you know, Mason Plumley first career triple double. Holy I, smokes. I didn't even realize he had a triple double. That's Mason Plumley with 10 assists. That's wild. Yeah. No, he's been playing pretty good for them. I like that. I just like seeing, you know, like I like it from a coaching standpoint. I love seeing guy like Dwayne Casey's a good coach. Mm-hmm. And in spite of his GM just trying to give him the worst roster he could possibly give him, he's still they're competitive and winning. It's like the same thing in OKC, that new guy, Dignault or whatever. In spite of having one of the worst rosters ever, he still competes and they win. So I like seeing that. Um, let's see. Let's talk. Let's go to uh, Phoenix. They're pl- they're back. They seem to be all the way back. Uh, they beat Orlando 109-90. Um, where, you have their record pulled up now? They, they're on a win streak. Like The West is just balling right now. I know. Yeah, Suns moved, Suns moved to 17-9. and nine. Third, They're back in third place in the West. They are on a one, two, three, four, five, six game win streak and nine of their last ten. Um, oh, yeah. And you know, really good. you know what the six-game win streak correlates with? Devin Booker shitting on everyone. Frank Kaminsky entering the starting lineup. They're six and zero oh <laughs> since they put Frank Kaminsky in the starting lineup. Okay, that's interesting. So uh, MVP, MV, MVP, <laughs> MVP. So. If anything, Monty Williams, coach of the year. We we can you know he's tweaking things. He's making things work. But and Sarich is back. He's been playing pretty good for them. I too. love that guy. I'll always love that guy. Yeah, I like this team, man. I mean, we talked about them. Earlier in the year, we said they were the second best team in the West. I don't think that's true at the moment. They're probably third. We should clarify that was on our overreactions episode. We acknowledged that it was probably an overreaction that they're calling them second team in the West, but they were playing like it at the time. I mean, they they could still be that. They might be. And actually, they're probably the fourth right now. I can't say that they're better than the Clippers. The Clippers have been playing great basketball. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Utah, who we'll talk about briefly towards the end. Um, but they're playing. I mean, Devin. Yeah, Devin Booker's been playing great, and Frank Kaminsky's probably going to be MVP. At this, I mean, point, at this I mean, point, I had to vote today. I mean, I mean, he's he, he's at this point, he's got to be. You know, what's crazy about Frank Kaminsky is that they let him go. He signed a deal with Sacramento. Sacramento waived him, mm. and then now they got him back on a cheap deal, on a cheaper deal than what they would have had if they signed. You know, like. Mm-hmm. And now he's it's like laundering money when you launder, but it's just yeah. through, you're they short sold them. They short sold them. Yeah, okay, that's probably a better analysis um, <laughs> or analogy. But they couldn't like he couldn't play for the Kings, who are the Kings, and now he's starting in six and zero as a starter for one of the top four teams in the West. Some organizations just can't. They just can't do it. They just can't get right. Um, for the Magic, tell you what, the Magic. I might be, other than Minnesota, but maybe more than Minnesota, this may be the team I'm most sad for this year in the NBA. Because it hasn't even been COVID. It, it hasn't been, been it hasn't been COVID. They've everyone's hurt. Look at the 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 lineup they put on the floor in this game. Michael Carter Williams, Terrence Ross, Gary Clark, Dwayne Bacon, and Vucevic. And then the only three players off the bench, Chumo, Kiki, who I do like, but rookie, uh, Ken Birch, Journeyman, Mo Bamba. Didn't even know Mo Bamba was healthy. And yeah, they're, just a, they're, they're a mess, man. They are a mess. You can't take anything from a game against the Magic at this point because they're just 
playing the bare bones of their roster. Mm-hmm. It sucks, man. It's got to suck uh, to to go through that. I mean, their whole everyone's hurt. Everyone's hurt. I think they, they started. How about the other night? Cole Anthony, obviously, Markel Fultz is out for the year. Cole Anthony got hurt. They started Frank Mason, and Frank Mason got hurt in the first quarter and didn't play. And then he didn't play tonight. It is amazing how some of those things strike. And it's just like you, you just, you can identify it pretty early when your season is just completely comprehensively boned from injuries. And like it's just, they just start piling up in the, in the craziest ways possible. And Orlando's going through that right now. And it almost makes me want, like, we never really talk about this, but is Vucevic a, a guy like a trade candidate this year to to boost somebody's uh, like a contender? Because with the Magic, I mean, are are you going to get to where you want to be with Vuce, or are your young pieces by the time they're ready, he's going to be you're going to be phasing him out? You know. Well, my assumption is that Orlando wouldn't do anything drastic this year because Jonathan Isaac, Markel Fultz, um, I guess those are the two main ones, both out for the year. Uh, and they both, those are the two guys they just gave big contracts to Cole Anthony hasn't been healthy. Like the ultimately could this be a blessing in disguise? Because at the best, this team was going to be an eight seed or a seven seed and get swept in the first round. Do they end up getting a top two, one or two pick and getting a franchise player out of this? I don't, you know, possible would probably the best case scenario for this team. Cause even if they're fully healthy, their upside is just like, eh, mm-hmm. you know, but it does suck, like going through a season like this. Um, some of these guys, though, probably get paid, stick around in the league off of putting up numbers on a bad team. So that's good for them. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's talk Hornets, Spurs. Uh, so I was texting you during this game. Yeah, big time. Something out of you. really interesting um, that I think is obviously, well, Hornets, I would, when I texted you, the Hornets were beating the Spurs pretty good. And then the Spurs came back. And won 122, 110. Uh, but that doesn't take away from the what I was, was looking at with this team because Gordon Hayward didn't play. So that's part of the part of maybe where they struggled a little bit. He's having a, one of the best years of his career. I'm seeing a lot of people talking about how fun the Hornets are and how they're a must-watch league pass team. And they are really fun. They're really fun to watch. They're a playoff team right now. They probably shouldn't be. No one expected it. And I think the the story out of Charlotte that's getting swept under the rug and going way under the radar is Mitch Kupchak, right? Mitch Kupchak got run out of Los Angeles, essentially. Um, And part of it was that their young guys were just not developing and the teams were a mess. Um, But those young guys that he drafted were Julius Randle, Brandon Ingram, and D'Angelo Russell. This guy obviously knows talent, right? And he's also the one who was able to pull off the Pau Gasol trade that got them two more titles. You guys, obviously not a, as I think there was more that the Lakers were an absolute mess, right? They couldn't hire the right coach. Part of that probably is in Los Angeles, you can't hire James Borrego. In Los Angeles, you have to hire Luke Walton or Mike D'Antoni. You have to make a splash. You can't just hire some no-name guy, Frank Vogel, who's done a good job, but you have to hire someone established because it's the Lakers. Can't just go get a no-name guy and see if they work. So that probably is part of what the issue was there. And also ownership. And they, they've just had some problems there in the past. But Mitch Kupchak, obviously, as a GM, has a decent track record of drafting guys. Now, Charlotte, Devontae Graham, Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, LaMelo Ball. 
pulled the trigger on trading the best player in franchise history, Kemba Walker. Signed Gordon Hayward to a $120 million deal when everyone was shit, was like just laughing in their faces. This team is not going to ever go anywhere. But what he's done there is he's put them in position with the young talent that they have to be a dark horse to get whoever the next disgruntled star is. Because you could trade and you can go, and it's also a good lesson to a lot of teams, like the blueprint of going and just getting, you can be competitive and still have the assets to go get a star. Because this team is very competitive and they also have the young players and assets that I think they could go get. Like, I like obviously the Bradley Beal is the guy that everyone talks about. So we'll use him as an example. But like, wouldn't you take Devontae Graham, Miles Bridges, PJ Washington, and two first round picks for Brad Beal? I think so. I think I'm, I'm just saying, like, that. as yeah, an example, right? It's the Hornets first round picks, like, because they might not be, I mean, they'll win more games with Brad Beal. But I'm just saying, yeah, but they've I got think- some ammo. He, he's done such a, I think they've done a great job of retooling, but staying competitive and having players that teams want. And it's not like OKC who's competitive, but a bunch of guys that like you don't want Yeah. other than Shea. And some of their younger guys are, are decent, but like these are guys that I think most good teams would want. Mm-hmm. You haven't um, even mentioned Malik Monk yet. The absolute Malik stud Monk. that is Malik and Monk. Terry Rose. First of all, and Terry Rozier. Yeah. That was a good pickup. Really good pickup. And they, and, they got crushed for giving him the contract that they gave him and he's playing great for them. Mm-hmm. 33 tonight. Yeah. So I just wanted to, I thought that was interesting because it, I don't think anybody talks about it. that is that he's put them in a position to not only be competitive, but be super successful down the line and potentially pull something off that I don't think anybody will see coming. So we'll see. I also feel the same way about San Antonio a little bit because watching them, um, you've mentioned this a lot about them too. They have so many young guys that they could package in a deal and go get a player. Mm-hmm. Um, Keldon Johnson, Derek White, DeJounte Murray, Lonnie Walker, Devin Vassell. All five of those guys are really good young players that most teams would, would take in a deal. I think, yeah. And it, it's great. They're, they're vastly overperforming this. I mean, they're 16 and 11. I don't think they're going to be finished that high, but like, I mean, they've got a unbel- the best coach in the league, so that makes a lot of sense. But, right. like, these pieces are working together, and they're just good players. I think we we pegged this team – like, they have a ton of good players, but just no real superstar potential type guys, we don't think. No, um, probably not. And so it's a weird spot that they're in. So so maybe, a, a pa- like, a package to get – a stud is the way to go. And they've, they've got the, the you know, it would be pretty funny. I would, I'd be interested to see there's, there was a lot of one of the, the stories last week that we didn't get to cover was that there's internal discussions within the Raptors on whether or not to trade Kyle Lowry and just start a rebuild. Mm. Imagine them trading for Kyle Lowry and reuniting Lowry and DeRozan and seeing what pop could get out of him. That'd be Obviously fun. they'd be in the West, so mm. they probably wouldn't do much, but it would be pretty fun. Yeah. I think it'd be a. Pl- I think it'd be a playoff team. I mean, they're already a playoff team. Yeah, I mean, like, I but think is he better than Dejounte Murray at this point? Probably not. No, and I'm. Well, maybe. Actually, he probably is. He's probably a little. I, I don't know. Murray's pretty good. Murray is good, but Kyle Lowry's an NBA champion. Yeah, I, I give him the edge a little bit. A little bit. Murray has a, obviously the upside. Mm-hmm. Um, but that would be that'd be fun. 
I, I would love to see I that. love those two. They have had some of the greatest like Twitter moments together. Like I, mm-hmm. kind of escaping me what they were talking about, but seeing those two guys joke around is always fun. Yep. Well, both of these teams, the Hornets and the Spurs, their biggest issue right now is their bigs are just disgusting. I mean, it's just it's just a wreck, like a a true train wreck at their their bigs. Like mm-hmm. Charlotte, Cody Zeller, go give him credit. He's gotten better, but he's not good. And then Bismack Biombo is just still awful. And then the Spurs with Lamarcus Aldridge out, who's like thirty eight. They're playing Jakob Pertl and Trey. Lock. Like they, it's just. Like if either of these teams had a decent big like rim protector, they could actually probably be pretty competitive. Yeah. I mean, they are competitive, but you know what I mean. Yeah, be threatening. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Maybe a little bit more threatening. Yep. Uh, speaking of Toronto, they lost to the T-Wolves tonight on Sunday. Uh, always happy to see the T-Wolves get a win this year because of their situation, particularly Carl Anthony Towns. Mm-hmm. Well, they are now back to being an NBA team, which is nice with Carl Anthony Towns. So. Yeah, and D'Angelo Russell still not playing. Uh, but, yeah, they get a win. More so on this one, it's just like, that Kyle Lowry thing, what do they rebuild? If let's say they move Kyle Lowry, and they might get a first round pick out of it because of his age. He's not, he's pretty old. So maybe you get like a protected first round pick. But we've talked about this a million times on here. There's not a whole lot of rebuilding to be done there. They've given all their money out. No, they, the way they've constructed their team right now is not rebuilding <laughs> conducive at all. It's like we're riding with Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet. And uh, and I and I think the end of this game, the end of this game today, was a glimpse into the bumpy future of the Toronto Raptors. Pascal Siakam has a chance to win it or to tie it, and misses a wide, like a wide open layup at the end of the game. I'm on ESPN. I just the thumbnail of this video is just him covering his face. Right yeah. now. <laughs> and that's just, I mean, that's just sort of what your future kind of holds with. Pascal Siakam as your max guy, I think. Just not and for sad for them. Taking the most shots on the team with a very nice contract. Like, it's it's really bad. The construction of this team is pretty bad. I don't know. Kyle Lowry. Uh, yes, to your point, a Kyle Lowry trade does not put them in, like, good rebuilding mode. Because <laughs> you're just not going to get that many picks. Or- I don't know what you're going to get. Like, I saw some Heat fans talking about getting him down in Miami, which would be awesome for Miami. But it was like like a like a protected first and Kendrick Nunn. Like that's yeah. not going to do a lot for you. Um did I miss any of the game any other games tonight? Well, I mean the Lakers we already talked about, they got beat up. Clippers beat the Cavs, but Kawhi and PG didn't play. That game didn't mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Mem- Memphis Sacramento probably not too much to talk Yeah, about. not a whole lot to talk about there. Obviously Memphis continuing to play well. Well, one of the stories we can talk about that came out this weekend was that Memphis is anticipating potentially having Jaron Jackson Jr. back by All-Star, which, which would be great news. Which would be great, great news. news for them. I don't know how effective he's, gonna, he's been out for a while, so we'll see how long it takes him to get back into shape. But it's just good to have him because they've been playing great basketball without him, and he's their second-best player. Yeah, I, I would love that because I think he's been out long enough now where people really forget like the player he was turning into. I mean, he was Oh, yeah, he I think he has Anthony awesome. Davis. He's not as that. Well, actually, he might be as that. I think he has like that type of upside. Like Anthony Davis type. Anthony Davis upside? I mean, that's great. Yeah. I mean, that's... I do. I think from a talent standpoint, great rim protector. He can shoot the three. He does a little bit of everything on offense. I, I And like, that's just his upside. That that would be like 
the a complete upside. Mm-hmm. But I think he is that talented. He can be one of those guys who's one of the best and most skilled bigs in the league. And we know John Morant is an absolute animal. And um, Grayson so- Allen learned how to play basketball, so they're back. Remembered, maybe. Not learned. He he remem- He had forgotten and now remembered. Did I say learned? Yeah, you said oh, learned. <laughs> <my best. laughs> yeah, I meant I meant remembered. Yeah. Uh, this team's they're fun to watch too. I, I like watching them play for different reasons. Like Charlotte's fun to watch because they have all these guys who are just like, oh, by the way, Lamelo Ball, um, rookie of the year is done. It's over. Whoa. There's a guy in this game we're currently on that has something no, to say about that. It's not Tyrese Halliburton doesn't have a chance. He's a chance. Uh, LaMelo Ball is just – he's so – by the way, I'm sure it doesn't work for everybody, but if between LaMelo Ball and Luca over the last three years, like if, you're, if you're a prospect, like play overseas, man, because LaMelo Ball is 19 years old and he just – the game looks – easy to him right now i know he does some he makes some he has some turnovers here and there but so does that so does luca i I think impact wise he's he's on that level other than i mean he can't score the way those guys do but he is man he he has a chance to be he he has a chance by the end of the year to be like a top five point guard he's that good right now i just I, like I know him. you don't like him. You don't watch him enough. You don't watch him enough. I know. Well, it's, he's not very, he's not super efficient. Like that's, I mean, he's like 44% field goal percentage. It's, it's whatever. I, I don't know. And I, I realize I'm maybe. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah you didn't mention his three point percentage though. 35%. Right? Yeah. That's good. That's yeah, good for him. I don't think anyone yeah. expected him to be a good, like a, even a league average shooter. Yeah. But it's the way he impacts the game. I mean, he's, he's so tall. He rebounds. He's an incredible passer. I mean, he sees everything. Like, he, there's no wasted. He's an dribble. unbelievable passer. There's, but there's no thing. wasted, like, dribbles for him. Like, every time he puts the ball on the floor, he sees where everyone is, and he makes, he makes good – he just makes the right play a lot of – most of the time. Obviously, nobody makes it 100% of the time. But I think he, he is – he's so much better than I expected him to be. He's better than I expected him to be for sure, but I'm not on the uh, top five point guard at the end of the year train. Well, he's probably not. He might not be a top five point guard ever, but in terms of what he contributes to a team, he's like in terms of pure point guards and not scoring point guards. He he has he's probably going to be right in that, you know. Fair enough. Um, but Mem- back to Memphis. Memphis is more is fun to watch from a different like Charlotte. They have a bunch of like dudes. It's like Devontae Graham gets buckets, Terry Rozier gets buckets, Malik Monk gets buckets. Malik even, Monk, thank you. <laughs> even Lamelo Ball gets buckets. Gordon Hayward, like they all, they have a bunch of bucket. Like they have a bunch of guys who like love pickup. <laughs> like they just That's go out. That's a good way to say it. Yeah. They just go out and hoop. The Grizzlies are just grinded out, man. Like they just play hard because um, they don't have a bunch of bucket getters. Like they really don't have any bucket getters other than maybe John Morant, but there's no real bucket getters on this team. They just play good defense and they play hard and they move the ball. Like there's, they're fun to watch because they shouldn't be as good as they are. Hundred percent. And getting Jaron Jackson back it makes it that much more exciting. I, I I'm, I think I'm a low key like little grit, tiny Grizzlies fan. I think a lot of people are turning yeah. that are starting to get that way. And 
probably because of John Morant, but mm-hmm. um, King's King's gonna King. Mm-hmm. Sixteen so, more minutes for your boy Hassan Whiteside. Not that's never well. ne- never a good way to <laughs> to win basketball games. Yeah, he stinks. He stinks. He stinks. Like, God, just cut him. I bet you if they cut him, they would they would make a run and be a, a borderline playoff team. Wow. Possible. Definitely possible. I mean, they're a borderline playoff team as of right now. 16 minutes, two points, <laughs> five board. I mean, it's. I mean, they're only a game out of the play in series. So they could still be in the playoffs. But I, if they, they'd make a Portland esque run right now if they didn't have Hassan Whiteside. And I totally convinced. Uh, all right. That's it for tonight's games. The only other stuff I really wanted to hit that we didn't get to, that we obviously haven't gotten to talk about is one is the jazz, like the jazz 17 of 18. They've won 17 of their last 18 games. I watched a few of their games last week and we've talked about it on here. I'm not sold on how real this team is. I'll tell you this. If Anthony Davis is out for a long period of time, there's no reason this team can't like if, if, if Anthony Davis's injury is serious, Hopefully it's not. If it is, there's no reason this team can't win the West. Like there's no, to me right now, watching this team, they absolutely can go to the Western conference finals and lose to the Lakers. (laughs) I mean, which is, which is not like an insult. The Lakers are just the best team in the league when they're healthy, but this team is they're They're, they're pretty legit, man. Like they, they're top five in offensive defense. Like they've been all year, but they, they, their defense is locked down. They all shoot the ball. They, everybody who's on the floor other than Derek Favors and Rodrigo Bear can shoot the ball. And then they have a guy who can go get 50 if he needs to. It's and Mike Conley's playing out of his mind. Yeah. Mike Conley's playing out of his mind too. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I think I've turned the corner on Utah. Jordan Clarkson. They might have the sixth yeah. man of the year too. Like I think I've turned the corner on Utah. I think they're, I think they, they're really good. I mean, obviously they're really good, but like, I think they're up there. I think they're right now. They're the second best team in the West. So, uh, okay. That's, I actually was going to, if seven game series against the Clippers, you, you, you'd pick Utah right now. I wouldn't no. Okay. Well, but you but they could I don't win. No man. I like if they're playing the Lakers I'd say no, Lakers and win. If they play the Clippers they could I I'd say if they're playing a seven game series against anybody other than a healthy Laker team, they can win. And they're probably the favorites, if not very close. Like Vegas would probably make the Clippers the favorites because of Kawhi and Paul George. But it would be very close mm-hmm. to win a seven game series. I mean, when you um, win 16 and then against seventeen, basically any other team in the league right now, you'd probably yeah. say Utah's the favorite the way they're playing. They're gonna come come back to earth. I mean, obviously you can't sustain what they're doing right now, but there's something to be said about continuity and a lot of these guys. They've been together and it's pretty much the same team as last year. They're just putting it all together. Well, they cloned Joe Ingles into Bogdanovich, right? So then... So. But wasn't he on their team last year? I, maybe he yeah, was. He was. he was. No, he wasn't. He was... Um, They got him... No, this is his second year with them. Because remember, okay. the Pacers had TJ... They replaced him with TJ Warren last That's year. Right. I just see him and Joe Ingles as basically like one entity, so I'm always very confused. Joe Ingles, Joe Ingles, man. Like when Mike Conley's out, they put him at the point. The guy's... Just fundamental. 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 Demental. Demental. And then the last story really from last week. I mean, I'm sure there's a bunch of stuff, but um, this Kyrie Irving thing. So apparently Kyrie Irving told James Harden that he is now, that James Harden is now the point guard and Kyrie is the two guard. And that's that. And 
Steve Nash be damned. I don't care what the yeah, fuck exactly. Steve Nash has to say. <laughs> all I all I all I could think about when I read this, the, it keeps playing in my mind is the scene from Finding Forrester where oh my god, you fucking child. Um Sean Connery and he like it's what's I don't remember the the actor's name, but it's like uh this high school basketball player who's like from the inner city. And then he goes and plays at like a prep school, but he's, he's also like really smart and he studies. And then he becomes friends with like this old, like writer and it's played by Sean Connery. It's like a black young black kid, old white man, like their dynamic and this and that. Classic. And then there's a I'll scene. There's just, no, no, I loved it when I was younger. It's probably still holds up. I just haven't watched it in a long time. I just remember there's one scene where like, I forgot what the kid was doing. I forgot what he's doing. He's either he's like writing or doing something. And Sean Connery goes, you're the man now, dog. <laughs> <laughs> and when I read this about Kyrie Irving, I just imagine Kyrie Irving being like, you're the man now, dog. <laughs> and also holding that funny. And also holding like a ceremony. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, like he, he like, they're like in their tr- practice facility. And there's like the team room where they like eat meals and stuff. I can imagine Kyrie just texting Harden, James, like, yo, come to the team room. And then James Harden opens the door and all the lights are off. And there's like music, like soft music <laughs> playing. And then like a light comes up from Kyrie. He's like, James, I brought you here for a reason. <laughs> there's definitely incense going at this point. Kyrie's got one of those little burning sage. Know, He's burning sage. a Catholic church where the priest just. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, the I've never been to one, but I've watched movies. Um, yeah, I, I feel like happening, I yeah. saw this in my mind. I saw like this big thing happening. Like this was a big, like a big deal mm-hmm. for Kyrie to do this. That being said, it's the right move. I think and so Kyrie's too, probably yeah. been a two guard his whole life. Mm-hmm. He's probably always been a two guard, more of a two guard. So I love it for the Nets. Like I think it's the right move. It's absolutely. I think it's absolutely the right move. Kyrie's played great. Like since James Harden got there, he's playing really good basketball. This is what it's the right move. So. The one issue, the one issue I have here is when Kyrie decides he's the point guard again in two weeks <laughs> and says, I'm the point guard now. Well, never saying any of this. Yeah, well, him being the point guard and him taking the last shot are two different things. He's still gonna probably try to do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially Katie's out for the next two games. Just when he got back, now he has a hand. Again, this is the COVID thing, right? Sits for a week with the COVID, can't work out, can't do any of this stuff, comes back, strains his hamstring. Mm-hmm. season's rough man season's rough yeah uh all right before we wrap up i saw this story today that made me think like and by the way just for all the new listeners this show is usually not this long but it's our first episode in over a week so you know we're going a little longer today it's usually around an hour right like the hour and six minute mark maybe you like that maybe you like it this long i don't know but usually it's a little shorter than this but anyways we had like all these goat conversations that we always have. Um, it made me think like, he's not, this guy's not the goat. Obviously he's not, but man, I don't think he gets brought up nearly enough. I think he gets overlooked a lot because of how short his career was, but this Celtics fan account tweeted this out. And then everyone started picking it up 35 years ago out Sunday, Larry bird, right. They were on a, on a road trip. And I guess he told the media before the game that he, was going to play left-handed <laughs> against the Blazers. 
And he finished with 47 points, 14 rebounds, 11 assists, and went 10 of 21 from the field, only shooting with his left hand. And they asked him why. And he said, I'm saving my right hand for the Lakers. What a fucking, fucking savage. Yeah. And also, name another player in NBA history who could do it. Nobody. There's no one who could do that. Nobody. No, not 40, 47, 14, and 11 is a joke. Um, I don't care if they're the best. I don't care if they're the worst team in NBA history. No one else could do that, only shooting left handed. If you're Portland and okay, you're midway through the first quarter and you realize this guy's play, only playing with his left hand, like how do you then let him go for 47, 14, and 11? Like, have some respect, man. I know he's an all timer, but like, it's his left hand, goddammit. My favorite, I mean, just I love the line, I'm saving my right hand for the Lakers. Very quickly, my favorite Larry Bird quote ever is apparently he walked in to like the green room or whatever before the first ever three-point contest and was just like, all right, who's finishing second? (laughs) He just just walked in and just talking shit immediately. You know the other thing that's been going around on Twitter that people, um, Nolan Richardson, the Arizona, the Arkansas, he was a college coach for a long time. Um, He was at his hall of fame speech, he was telling a story about like the first time he ever found out who Larry bird was. He was like listening to the radio. And so he couldn't see the game and like every, like every play they were like, Larry bird, this Larry bird, that Larry bird, that. And he was like, Larry birds in the crowd. And he's like, he's like, all I thought to myself was, I don't know who this bird guy is, but this brother can play. (laughs) And then he was like, and then the next morning, I looked at the newspaper and I saw what he looked like. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> uh, unbelievable. All right. That's it for tonight. Um, hey, good first episode on Blue Wire. Appreciate all of you who are jumping back in. Appreciate all the new listeners. As always, what you're supposed to do with these podcasts, subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Pods. Um, and you know, leave us a nice little review. If there's anything you want to hear us talk about or, you know, mention or anything we got wrong, because we do that sometimes. Hit us up at NBA Morning Deuce. Let us know. If not, we will uh, We'll see you guys tomorrow morning. Later. Later.